Hello and welcome to Mainstream by Sifter. Mainstream is a show where we discuss those high-profile titles, and the game we're talking about today doesn't get much more high-profile than this. Uh, the team behind Sifter.com.au and their friends uh, discuss their experiences playing a variety of games, those big AAA titles, the smaller micro games and indies, retro releases, uh, remakes, and those newly issued titles that people have been waiting for for a long time. This week, we're de- digging into the anticipated then derided and delayed and now lauded Halo Infinite. My guest on Mainstream this week is Chris Button, a games journalist who writes for Byteside for Games Hub and is host of the Apple Arcade podcast, Mobile Arcade Club. Chris, thanks for jumping back in. Oh, thank you for having me once again. Good to be back. Let's jump straight into the episode like it's a Halo ring floating in outer space. Sit down for a chat with your pals in video games. This is Mainstream. Chris, can you give us a little bit of context? What is your experience with the Halo series? Yeah, so I've played most of the the main Halo games. Uh, the first one I played was Halo 3 because I never had the original Xbox but had a mate at the time who had uh, an Xbox 360. So played through Halo 3 and then uh, thanks to the, the Master Chief collection on Xbox One, was able to go back and play some of those, uh, those original Halo games and my goodness, they hold up incredibly well with um, with a lot of those uh, remastering, and even when you turn the graphical settings back, it's it's like this you know, cool little cultural artifact. Seeing what it was like when they first released, um, but I I actually gave Halo Five Guardians a miss because while I saw it got generally positive reviews at the time, uh, people that I knew who really enjoyed the Halo franchise and the story and that sort of stuff, didn't particularly rate the campaign all that strongly. And for me, my first-person shooter expertise extends to mainly playing the campaigns because my competitive skill isn't uh, isn't quite up to scratch. But um, So I, I actually did give Halo 5 a miss but then read about the story afterwards. So I, I perhaps approach Halo Infinite with a perspective that's, you know, not a rusted on Halo fanatic or someone who's loved this franchise since day one. Uh, So as someone who enjoys the Halo games, but has uh, a little bit of distance removed from from that, uh, that fandom. So yeah, and what a treat Halo Infinite was. It's interesting because this is a title that quite clearly is uh, referencing those earlier titles. Um, In the initial release of it, the first thing that I saw was I'm like, okay, hang on, they're really trying to capture that look um, and that feeling of the very first moments um, of uh, the first Halo game in particular. Um, And I'm curious, um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, give us a bit of a setup about what Halo Infinite is um, how it sort of plays for people who have never, for example, ever come across a Halo game before. Yeah, so I, I did a little bit of brushing up on Halo lore before I jumped into Infinite as well, just to make sure I was across all the, the franchise intricacies. And essentially, so Halo, for those who aren't aware, uh, Halo refers to the the ring-like structures that back in the, the first Halo games uh, were, were thought by a particular species to be some sort of uh, religious artifacts or were going to lead to some sort of uh, some sort of salvation or transcendence, but were actually found to be these 
these ancient or these alien weapons capable of wiping out sentient life. So that's that's where the Halo uh, franchise gets its name from. About these these structures in uh, you know this outer space setting. And uh, you take take the role of Master Chief, uh, who his actual name is John, but of course Master Chief has a lot more gravitas to it. Um, so you play as this uh, this super Spartan soldier uh, fighting for humanity's survival against these uh, these alien races who aren't terribly keen to have humanity around or want to activate these halo rings. So Halo Infinite takes place on the broken Halo ring, uh, Zeta Halo, uh, and you're chasing up your uh, sort of long-lost AI companion, Cortana, who you may also recognise from uh, if you know there are any Microsoft Windows users out there, who I'm sure there's plenty, uh, also shares the name and voice with the AI assistant there. Um, so, yeah, l- last that had happened, Cortana... Uh, in Halo had gone rogue because the to to, to spare all the the details and nitty gritty, she had sort of extended her sort of shelf life that's expected of these AI companions and had started glitching out, going rogue, and things went bad. So Master Chief this time around is trying to find out what happened, try and close some. Um, so reach some closure there while also fighting against this warmongering faction uh, of the, the Covenant referred to as the Banished, uh, these these big brutish alien dudes who are, yeah, really, really into fighting and really into, into war and what it represents to them. Which is pretty handy because Master Chief's pretty into fighting and into war as well. So, you know, it's a nice combination between the In, two of them. Indeed, indeed. Incoming. But... What if it's a friend? It isn't. Tell me, what do you, what does your eye look at when you play a game like this? Um, jumping into what this is, this game represents, which is so heavily tied into um, the history of the Xbox, uh, but also sits there as a flagship title for the new um, services that Microsoft is offering. Yeah, indeed, because I think that's one of the things about Halo is that it is such a storied franchise and is so widely beloved for sort of a lot of the modern first-person shooter conventions. And as as we all know, the original developers, Bungie, uh, who worked on the, the first handful of, of main Halo games, are now working on Destiny, uh, one of the, the best-feeling shooters going around, albeit in sort of like a, more of a live-service multiplayer aspect. So, yeah, playing, playing Halo Infinite as someone who has played the older Halo games but doesn't have as strong a connection. I, I still feel this um, I still feel this connection to Halo and in particular Master Chief because just of how how revered and how prominent a figure he is in gaming history and, and the wider the wider culture of video games. Um, but the, the interesting thing about Halo Infinite is that it does introduce some gameplay elements that are a bit of a deviation from from the norm. So where whereas in the other mainline Halo games, it was more of a linear mission to mission structure, like a lot of first person shooter campaigns 
do, where you go through go through missions, go through various levels you know, from point A to point B. Although Halo was known for uh, designing these expansive levels, where you did have a bit of flexibility with your approach, so it wasn't necessarily just corridor shooters. Uh, Halo Infinite takes that to another level and sort of integrates a little bit of a, an open world setting as well. So while you can pretty well mainline, go from mission to mission, from point to point, there's this the setting of Zeta Halo. You're able to explore between mission points, uh, capture outposts and fight against various banished uh, sort of encampments across this uh, across this setting as well, and it it what I was really impressed with is that it's it really captures a sense of scale. Like Zeta Halo is this you know big broken Halo ring. It, it looks massive. It looks huge, but they've narrowed the scale to a point where it doesn't feel like the sort of exhausting open worlds that some modern games tend to have where they're just so big, so filled with stuff that it just feels like a bit of a checklist to go through that can, after a while, instill a bit of tedium and, and boredom. At least at least for me, that's, that's how I find um, some open world games. But I, I felt like Halo Infinite really nailed the scale really nailed the scope that it felt like the next the next objective or the next interesting thing was just a short warthog drive away uh, and that I didn't have to wait too long between engaging firefights or interesting story missions and and that sort of thing so yeah I thought it was a really interesting approach and I believe it's really well executed as well a lot of the comparisons I've seen is you know that feeling of uh, games like Breath of the Wild where you know your next point of interest is just on the horizon you can see where you need to go did you have that feeling as well that's that's an interesting comparison because I I legitimately felt towards the end of my time with Halo Infinite. I was like, I don't think I've enjoyed an open world setting. And I, I will um, I will go on a slight tangent here that I did read an interview where, uh, so 343 Industries, the, the folks who developed Halo Infinite, are hesitant to refer to Halo Infinite as an open world because it's it's not super super open and there are areas or times where you're playing missions where you are sort of locked off to a particular zone until you finish a thing but going back to the um the breath of the wild comparison i legitimately felt that when i was nearing the end i hadn't enjoyed an open world setting this much since i played breath of the wild back in 2017 purely because it felt like an organic open world that was the right size and justified its its setting you know on, on a narrative perspective on an exploration perspective it just felt sort of like uh, goldilocks and the and the three bears it felt just right it wasn't too small it wasn't too big it just felt just right and to to sort of further um you know my my sort of give you an idea of how much i enjoyed the game not only was it the the most fun i've had in an open world game since breath of the wild back in 2017 it's also the probably the most fun i've had in a first person shooter in years i i can't remember the the last first person shooter i played where i was that hooked from beginning to end throughout the campaign and enjoying doing a bunch of the side 
objectives and side missions as well. So it's it's got a lot going for it. Chief, you still with me? I'm here. Okay, give me a second. I'm coming to get you. Welcome back, Chief. Okay, let's get out of here. You know, was there any, I guess, pressure points or pain points when playing this game? Because it, to me, it sounds like it was a pretty nicely crafted experience the whole way through, which for people who may not remember from the initial release, this was a game that um, fans uh, and creative directors, uh, you know, fans did not agree with, didn't like the look of, thought it didn't look like a modern enough game. I personally looked at it and thought, hey, this is totally referencing that original feel the um the first halo title especially with the aesthetic of it um it lost a lot of the creative team over the experience the game was delayed by over a year so it was supposed to be a launch title with the xbox series x and s um but i'm just wondering you know that extra time that they've taken to put this game together did it really feel like it was a really nice cohesive experience or did you have any points where you thought hang on a second this doesn't feel uh, in step with my uh, understandings of what a, a current modern first person shooter is or or anything like that yeah I, I felt like it was a cohesive experience i think the 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 main tension point and it's it's one that i've sort of reflected on since finishing the campaign and one that i've seen a little bit of reporting on since the embargo for reviews went live about two days ago now at the time of recording um was the the transition between exploring sort of this this open setting of Zeta Halo to the the story missions. So a lot of the the story missions when when you're doing them, they normally involve going into a, a structure, whether it be like a, a big hulking spire that exists on the um, on Zeta Halo or a, a banished base that you couldn't enter outside of the confines of the the specific campaign missions. Uh, and they they were well designed and i felt like they were they were interesting and engaging but the real sticking point and it's one that i've only come to sort of reckon with post uh, com- completion is that you can't go back and replay the missions as it currently stands or if there's a particular if there's a particular moment or a particular fight that you want to revisit that you thought was really cool and you wanted to have another crack at it or try a, a different strategy or you know different loadout of weapons you, you can't actually do that bar starting a new save and going through the campaign in its entirety again which i have seen some comments to the effect that yes they are working on it and they will incorporate it at a later date which is a bit emblematic of modern game development that yeah you can you, you need to ship a game at some point and it may not have everything at launch, but, you know, there's the promise that things will come later, which uh, whether, you know, whether people like that or not is certainly a, a divisive topic in and of itself. But, yeah, it, it is a bit of a bummer that you can't revisit uh, missions freely, whether you just go to the map and select a mission and say, hey, I just want to revisit this one, teleport me back into the thing and let me play the the, the scenario again. Because, you know, there's various uh, collectibles like audio logs or um, game augmenting skulls to collect, uh, of which I missed pretty well most of them because I was focused on the, the main task at hand. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bummer that I can't actually go back and, and revisit that at will so yeah that, that's a, a bit of a bummer especially 
when I considered it to be an interesting story filled with some uh, some pretty cool moments. I think it's really interesting because it does give you an insight into the prioritization of a studio um, like this, of a huge scale, obviously working under strange conditions, making games over the last two years. Um, but, you know, one of the other features, for, which for me was such a core part of my Halo playing experience over the years, um, won't be making it to the game until like May 2022. Um, and that's the campaign co-op, you know, which is something that we... Um, we played lots of, we played it many, many times. We went back and, you know, went through story missions again, again, something else that's not going to be in the game at, at launch um, when people pick it up. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because you can see that it came with a fully fledged multiplayer. Um, all of that uh, system was available early. In fact, it launched early. Um, there was a sort of uh, almost like an open beta period or an early access period where people could play the multiplayer. Um, and then, you know, the, the campaign comes out um, first and then all these other features are being added as well. So it's kind of curious to see the studio having put this game um, together in, in stages in a way that, you know, just couldn't actually happen if we didn't live in the modern world where you can deliver games in chunks. Um, you know, there was no way on the Xbox era or even the 360 era um, you could basically say, hey, in six months' time we'll give you a bit more of the game. It all had to turn up on the disc at the one time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree that that's, you know, it, it is it is a reflection of, of modern game development. And I also do have the firmly held belief that uh, by large AAA development studios across the spectrum have not been uh, super upfront about how challenging the last two years have have been in terms of trying to deliver the same level of experience that they've done previously on new, you know, and improved hardware. Um, you know, having to work remotely or work in in distributed teams and, and that sort of thing. So I think. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of pressure from publishers and uh, investors and that sort of stuff to to meet milestones and meet deadlines and that sort of thing. So, you know, they're still trying to deliver the same experience under very, very different circumstances. So while, you know, while some people may think, well, hang on, what's the point of shipping a game that doesn't have these features in it? I also recognise the, the flip side that these folks have to ship a game and they're doing it under circumstances that they've never faced in their career before so it's it's very very challenging for everyone involved for your experience in playing the series the 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 departure from the halo format um is this uh, something you've really welcomed um in the way that uh you've played this game yeah i welcome it with open arms it's it's something that i it just clicked with me right from from right from the get-go so the the halo infinite campaign does start like a very traditional Halo campaign, uh, it is it is more on the linear side, and you do play through a couple of scripted missions before you even get to the the pseudo open world of Zeta Halo, and you do have that exploration. But I, I think, aside from the the structure and some of the the more open world nature elements that are a part of the not just the campaign, but the, the entire experience overall. Uh, I haven't even mentioned the the grapple hook yet, which uh, is something that's pretty pretty new to Master Chief's arsenal. And it's something that just feels so great from a, a movement and a, and a combat perspective. Um, so like uh, like grapple hooks in in various games and i even think back to the australian made um the australian made game that came out earlier in the year in early access uh, phantom abyss where you 
you know, go through um, various uh, sort of crypts with this whip where you can latch onto things and you know whip yourself around using momentum to propel yourself forward. It's it's something that I you know was was uh, reminded of when I was playing Halo Infinite because of you know, how how good it feels to to latch onto surfaces and use momentum as as a weapon as well to propel yourself around objects or use it as a way to to get out of danger quickly but also for Master Chief to be able to use this grapple to uh, to disrupt enemy shields or latch onto an enemy and you know come in falcon punch an enemy from 20 meters away which just feels fantastic um but then you know other other uses like being able to retrieve um loose weapons or items laying on the battlefield from a distance while you're in cover to to grab something while you're in safety from a distance you know latch onto it equip it immediately and then exit cover and start immediately firing or you know throw uh, throw sort of like a, a, an explodable uh, sort of you know item at, at an enemy being able to retrieve it using this grapple it just it feels great and it's such a such a, a you know good use of the item in this open world setting which i think it probably helps keep the scale concise as well because you are able to zip around this big setting rather quickly so yeah it uh, it feels real good and and did you find that you were using that new tool pretty consistently was it something you had to kind of get the muscle memory up uh to get used to because it was something that is very sort of different to uh i mean high flying antics has always been part of the halo series but moving in this way is sort of slightly different i'm just curious if it like did it take a little bit of uh you know practice to get that into your arsenal as you were moving around the, the world yeah it, it does take a little little bit of use to and i think uh potentially from uh, an accessibility uh side of things when you've got your uh, aiming uh, reticule, um, you've got uh, you've got sort of whatever reticule the uh, the weapon has, and then if you're able to latch onto something with the grapple, there's this tiny, tiny little yellow X that appears, indicating that yes, you can grapple onto something. But for for me, someone who has pretty good uh, pretty good vision, pretty good sight, if it was small for me, I sort of fear. You know, for, for people who have sight-based disabilities or, or struggle with their vision, then I, yeah, I didn't look too deeply into it, but I would hope there was some sort of setting to be able to um, increase the, the visibility of whether you're able to grapple onto something. But um, aside from that, I did find just through experimentation early on, being able to get a feel for, okay, this is how far away I can grapple from, or this is how far I can reach something. It didn't take long before I was using it all the time, whether just moving around in, in the open world, exploring, or in, in combat situations. It, it just, it really does feel like a, a natural extension, a natural extension of Master Chief's weaponry and his his equipment loadout. So, yeah, I was I was using it all the time and loving it. All right, so this is a game as we've talked about that is history. It's a series that is basically the the flagship for what a Microsoft represents. Um, I saw a, a comparison this uh, this week saying that you know you hold Master Chief up with Mario from Nintendo or uh, you know Sonic from Sega. Um, who is this game for? Yeah, this game is clearly for those who enjoy Halo and enjoy the the great the feeling of a great 
tightly designed first-person shooter in a sci-fi setting. Uh, it's it's also for anyone who uh, perhaps is relatively new to first-person shooters but may have played some of the likes of Apex Legends and, and those sort of things where mobility is a key factor of those games because I think the, the grapple in Halo Infinite really opens up uh, mobility to a traditionally... Master Chief is a, is a hulking behemoth of a man. He's he's not uh, he's not a, a small, nimble, agile person by any stretch. But the, the grapple makes him feel very speedy, very nimble. So I think for anyone who enjoys a really great sense of movement in their first person shooters, uh, Halo Infinite's right up there. So that is Halo Infinite. It launches on Xbox Series X and S on the Xbox One as well and Windows. Um, you can either buy it outright or you can get it on the Xbox Game Pass, which I have a feeling is the play- way that most people are going to be playing it. This is Mainstream. So this has been Mainstream by Sifter. It's what video games the Sifter team have been playing. Uh, my name is Gianni, and thanks for being part of another episode of Mainstream, Chris. Thank you once again. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks to Brian Fairbanks from Salty Dog Sounds for composing the Mainstream theme music. Now, Sifter is produced by Nicholas Kennedy, Fiona Bartholomew, Daniel Ang, Adam Christou. Mitch Lowe is our senior producer. My name is Gianni Giovanni, and I'm the executive producer. And now, Chris, if people want to find uh, your written review of Halo Infinite, where's the best place for them to go to? Yeah, biteside.com is the best place. That's where I've published a written review of Halo Infinite. And yeah, suss me out on Twitter at Bibiboy to see what other shenanigans I'm up to. Um, while you're on Twitter, give Sifter a follow on social media as well. That's at Sifter HQ. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, on Twitch, basically wherever you would find us. Um, and join our Discord as well because we've got a really nice community. We also do this thing uh, every week where we call uh, we call Sharing Sunday, uh, where if you're working on something creative throughout the week, you drop it in there. People um, give you a, a nice little bit of feedback or they just give you a few bits of love. It's hard to create things every day, so get a little bit of appreciation. And then on a Sunday, we collect it all together and share it out um, with the world. So the, to join that is sifter.com.au forward slash Discord. That address again sifter.com.au forward slash discord um we've got another podcast it's called light map where we talk to game developers creatives and people who are doing cool things in interactive media you can find that in your podcast player as well type in sifter and give us a follow or look for light map directly you can get every episode of light map and mainstream for free and uh, go to our website sifter.com.au for more of this and articles and videos and much much more that's all the time we have for now Until next time, have fun.